This is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> All righty. And uh, as always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater, headed up by uh, Jan Sleifler and Gary Graves. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. And we want to thank them for sponsoring us. And we have a fantastic guest, uh, a young but uh, really talented actor, Aaron Jones. How you doing, man? Good, good. Happy to be here. Excited to talk to you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fantastic. And uh, you and I, we worked together on the Breck Project. Uh, I think, I'm not sure if you were in more than one. Uh, I know you were in mine. You played uh, Detective Webb on yeah. my thing, Judicial Process, and uh, I'm so thrilled that you were there. Did you work on anything else? No, no, that was the only, uh, that was the only piece I was in. Okay. And yeah. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you were there. I, uh, you know, it's interesting. When we first cast it, I told uh, Susan, I was like, listen, I want as many diverse, uh, culturally diverse characters as possible. You know, I wanted to have, you know, Asian Americans, African Americans and white. I didn't want it to be, you know, um, totally dominated by, um, by, you know, by just <clears throat> all white cast. So I'm glad. I'm, I'm very glad that she made it diverse. And so, yeah. but also you've done film and you've done a bunch of other stuff and we'll get more into uh, what's been going on with you. Yeah. Norman, how, how was your week? And uh, boy. America. I know we, we may America. just get, we may get right into current events, but uh, but basically, how, how are you so, doing? Yeah, well, okay. So outside of current events, um, I've been wrapping up this Afro solo project. We still don't have a date, but um, I hopefully finished up my portion of it yesterday. Um, I'm directing a, a solo piece, and so we recorded yesterday. Hopefully, we're done with that. Uh, the next playground is coming up, and so I was uh, one of the readers. Um, uh, the you know they we got like over two dozen scripts, three dozen I think scripts, um, and six of them go into the next playground, which is going to be on the 18th. And so those two things kind of dominated my week, and I was so lucky on Wednesday that I was busy doing stuff. So I talked to Mara at one point and she made some comment and I like, what are you talking about? And she said, haven't you seen the news? So I looked at it and then I talked to another friend, same thing. They made some weird comment. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, are you paying attention? <laughs> uh, so finally, it wasn't until evening that I got a peek at what was going on, but I had another meeting in the evening, so I could not do the deep dive that the rest of America did. So I am not as traumatized as most people have been this week. <laughs> Well, I don't know about traumatization, but yeah, we can get right into current events because boy, that Wednesday. So I, okay, so I, I in the morning and I had my RDO because I spent half of my day, half of the week actually in the office. I work for the DA's office in San Francisco and sometimes I work from home. So uh, Wednesday I work from home and I saw Trump's, you know, he he's giving another speech to his followers and they're on the Capitol grounds. And I'm like, okay, fine. And I go to drop off some dry cleaning. And I come back and man, these are one of these events that happen during our lifetimes where it's like, hey, where were you when this happened, that happened, whether it's September 11th or the Challenger explosion. Right. But boy, I did not expect, did anyone expect this? Just um, thoughts, comments. I mean, how? what do you think? I mean, uh, Aaron, I'll go with you. I mean, how did, how, you know, what's your assessment of uh, January the 6th? Uh, yeah, uh, it was very surreal for me. I couldn't really... I didn't really realize what was going on. Uh, and then just looking at pictures, I felt like it was like some massive episode of South Park or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, like, good way of putting it. Yeah. It was so, out, it, was, it felt like the culmination of like four years of alternative reality, you know? And maybe now we're, we're in a new alternative reality. Because I think the day began with realizing that uh, Georgia was one. Uh, That's was, right. Yes. Yeah, um, it's not Ossoff. Is it Ossoff who who finally won? Ossoff, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So that was I was really excited about that, and then it was like this total flip, and it was like, wow, yeah. I mean, I still haven't really dove in, so I don't feel particularly traumatized. Feel really Yay. good. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Um, so I do uh, the alley, uh, the piano bar does a virtual thing on Thursdays. And so I wanted to do a Georgia. I said, did anybody do Georgia yet? Because I'll do Georgia on my mind. But if they had, my backup song was going to be The Devil Went Down to Georgia. <laughs> and I was going to change it to John Ossoff. Because the, the kid in that is Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. 
<laughs> yeah, that's fun. You know, it's funny, Aaron, you and I were talking off mic about just spirituality, especially spirituality within us African-Americans. And, you know, you spent your, I think, New Year's uh, in the, you said you were in the woods, just, you know, focusing on your spiritual uh, self, right? Yeah, yeah. My, my girlfriend and I, well, obviously we're rest in place order, uh, you know, we're not able to go mix with anybody. Uh, so we were just thinking of what we could do to kind of move into the new year and have something we, we came up with this little ritual where we uh we wrote down some things from the this past year we kind of like reviewed all the, the wins and it's like been a really interesting uh impactful year in my life uh both because of coronavirus and also just because professional uh movement and so we did that and then we wrote down some things we wanted to let go and put them on these little cards and like made a big bonfire in this this lithia park in ashland and and kind of put those into the fire and, and set a an intention to let them go. And that was, yeah, that was my New Year's. Yeah. yeah. And I brought that up because, uh, you know, some folks are really focused on the spirituality to, you know, to to not be, you know, tense and to not to let go of the anger and the rage. But there's some folks who are not focused on that at all. I mean, what I saw on the Capitol grounds, I mean, you know, um, pundits have said, you know, this hasn't happened since the British, you know, attacked, you know, the Capitol in the War of 1812. And even when I think of just protesting and, you know, I, I, you know some folks are going to say, well, you know, the, the right, I mean, I'm sorry, the left, they protest as well. But in 2016, four years ago, when Trump, you know, did his inauguration, there were protests, but nothing like that. I mean, it's, yeah. it, does, it, does it shock you? I know it doesn't traumatize you, Norman, but does it shock you? Uh, no, <laughs> uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm twisted this way. I'm, I'm almost happy that it happened because I think we needed the wake up call. Like if they are now, our legislators are now going to debate all this, right? And what should be done next? Everybody who tries to come up with a, well, they didn't really mean it. Well, you know, nothing bad happened. Well, this just proved that our democracy could hold on. It's like, wait a minute. That would be like saying, well, they burned down the White House, but our democracy survived, so therefore we don't have to worry about that. And we're like, no, no, no. <laughs> this was a danger. This is the, this sort of energy needs to be addressed in some way. I, I'm not about retribution. I am about putting the guardrails back on. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. I, I I'm stunned that there was such lack of security. I mean, and everyone's been talking about how the cops, you know, would you know get on the protest during Black Lives Matter far more right. than they did this time around. And what and you know there was just a report today that one of the protesters was a former uh, I think an Air Force combat veteran who mm -hmm. had strip ties, who had you know these tie right. things. Uh, and we were wondering, okay, so what would have happened if? They actually did get on the chamber floor while the um, members of the House were there. What would have happened if Nancy Pelosi were in the room? When Somebody the was planning was on taking hostages. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely nuts. It's absolutely crazy. And I have no idea. I mean, what do you think of this whole 25th Amendment and the impeachment thing? I mean, is it I mean, it's only 12 days or 11 days now that he's going to leave. Is that going to do anything or should should it be done even if it's symbolic? Oof. I don't know. I don't know. It seems like uh, I, I'm I'm one for moving forward. <laughs> it seems like a, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how, what that would solve or if, if he's leaving peacefully. I don't know how that would uh, change anything other than, yeah, like kind of feeling that there's like some kind of victory or some proof or I don't know. Yeah, it feels overwhelming to me to consider. Yeah, yeah I feel like it's um, like I said, I, I think the guardrails, I, I don't care. You know, I would love it if they took Trump down. That'd be great. But realistically, what we want to know is that our presidency is idiot proofed, that we go ahead and, you know, we like you do with a child, you go through and you plug up all the outlets and you do that. There needs to be some safeguards to make sure that nobody does this sort of stuff again or, or the, uh, the whole pardon thing. Like, no, you can't pardon your Bettys. You can't pardon yourself. These, they need to put some rules in place for that. I don't think they can realistically get anything done in the next two weeks. Right. I hope the threat of it keeps him from doing anything else, but I'm not sure it will. Yeah. And, you know, I agree with you, you know, uh, when you said that you were happy in, or you were satisfied that this was done. You're absolutely right. You know, people needed to know this is the last straw. If, you know, if, if 
dozens of kids locked up in, you know, in, you know, in, uh, the illegal immigrants, you know, the zero tolerance policy. That didn't right. a- outrage you. If, you know, his calling, um, you know, black people of black countries, uh, I forget what, what the name of it was. If that didn't outrage Shithole. you. Yeah, Shithole. Yeah. countries. Right, exactly. So and 360,000 Americans dead. Exactly. I think 4,000 in one day, uh, which was either yesterday or the day before yesterday. Yeah. If that doesn't outrage you, well, finally, this does. And finally, we get Lindsey Graham and all of the other Republicans who are appeasing him now saying, oh, this is enough. And it, it's just absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, other things that happened in the news. Um, well, I should mention. Well, I'll mention that last. But um, Mia Ponsetto. Now, this is a one of these um, Karen stories. So this is the chick who was in New York and accused the uh, the 14 year old black kid of stealing her phone. And then it hightailed it ran to California, Ventura. And uh, did you did any of you hear about this story? No. Yeah. OK, so um, a very famous black trumpeter, uh, jazz trumpeter and his son were just in a, um, a hotel. And this white woman, and, and you know, the video was all on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff, basically accusing this kid of stealing her phone. Oh, that, yes, yes. Exactly, that's the one. And of course, spoiler alert, she, she left it in an Uber. So right. now uh, the latest is that, so Gail King, who's becoming sort of the Oprah now, you know, she did an interview with R. Kelly and now she's doing an interview with this woman. And basically it was just, you know, like uh, just white privilege, although she claims to be, um, Puerto Rican and uh, I forget I forget what, what her nationality is but in any case yeah that was the, uh, the the crazy thing that went on and so she hightailed it to Ventura California and she got arrested and even slammed the door on a, a police officer so yeah the, bar- the barbecue Beckys and of the world um, Georgia Benedict who was a longtime stage manager of the Contra Costa County Theater she passed away uh, she passed mm. away this past week and I remember working with her I did Let's see, the very first theater job that I had here in the Bay Area was Tinker's Nebula. And that was a, a, a written piece uh, by Michael Tower, who ran Bay Stage. And we did it at the Contra Costa Community Theater and we rented it out. And I recently did Well, um, uh, um, a piece called Well by uh, Nancy, I want to say Crone, Lisa Crone. And uh, Susan Evans directed that. And that was at the Contra Costa County Theater. It's a wonderful little theater. Um, and Georgia Benedict had been around for such a long time, and I got the post on Facebook. I think Hari Moy post, post, posted it. Did you ever work in the Contra Costa County Theater, Norman? Heck no, no. It's community theater. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, yeah, they're, they're not paying, which is, which is uh, uh, you know, a big problem for me. But, you know, they, they do as much as best work they possibly can. They but, No, they're known for uh, doing really wonderful work in the community. I, I don't mean to, to denigrate. I just... I've been working as an equity actor for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's basically it. That's, those are all of the uh, the news that I had. Of course, I had all these wonderful things written down, like Pelosi re-elected Speaker of the House and the Georgia elections. We take The Georgia the election, yeah. Yeah, which is a wonderful thing. But, um, yeah, this is... So we is... got rain this week. We got nice rain, so... Yeah, that hey. was nice. <laughs> and, um... So I remember asking you, Norman, last week, I'll ask you, Aaron, I mean, what do you, so not only was 2020 the end of, a, you know, a year, but also the end of the decade. I mean, end of the, the teens, I guess. Did, I don't know, what did, what did that, that decade mean for you? Whoa, what did it uh, symbolize? Yeah. Um, well, I guess, I mean, I, I, I exited my 20s in this decade, entered my 30s. So it's, it kind of felt like this step into adulthood in a way that hadn't existed for me. I don't know, a lot of things changed this year where I became much more financially independent. And so that felt like the culmination of that, those years, you know, and stepping into the professional life as an actor. Yeah, and you've done real, real well. I mean, you know, getting involved in Netflix and also saw you in a commercial, a YouTube commercial. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you're also involved in theater, so you are really, really hitting it. And that's a great segue for uh, learning a little bit about you, Aaron Jones. So tell us an origin story. How did you get involved in theater? Where were you born and raised? Yeah, so I, I was born and raised in Berkeley, uh, California. And Local guy. My first theater experience, I was a really shy kid. Uh, I used to just, like, read a lot and uh, keep to myself and had wild imagination. But then, like, uh, in middle school, 
I was kind of having trouble fitting in. I had this teacher, Mrs. Foote, who uh, she she played us the movie Gladiator, which maybe shouldn't be played to seventh graders. <laughs> Are you not entertained? Exactly. And I, and she would stop it. She would pause it like every five minutes and break down the scene and explain like. And she was she happened to be a theater uh, director, uh, ran the theater program at Longfellow uh, Middle School, and so after that she, is that yeah. berkeley in berkeley yeah yeah we, yeah yeah and then so she invited me to uh she's like aaron you should uh you should come come out for the, the theater program or uh come be in greece and so she cast me as the beauty school dropout angel uh <laughs> nice so does that mean you sing uh i guess she said I, I didn't know i sung until she told me i could um so, <laughs> nice <laughs> now <laughs> Uh, I definitely say it. I say I wanted to sing it in the low pitch. Like uh, I forget the guy who originally sings it, but I remember the uh, the piano teacher teaching me how to sing. Was like, no, you're gonna sing in the falsetto. So I was there in my powder blue suit singing. Wow, yeah. <laughs> nice. Do you have any siblings, Aaron? I do. Yeah, I have a. Uh, I have three younger siblings. I'm the oldest, so I have two younger brothers and a younger sister. All right, the oldest of four, just like me. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> So, uh, did you, uh, did you get in, uh, did you do, um, uh, college? Yeah. So I, I went to, I actually, after, during high school, I got really into soccer. Um, and so we're on 16, my goal became play professional soccer. So I, I went really hard at that and then went to Sonoma state for a year. I went to drop, I went to Italy for a year and played in this, uh, program. It's like a academy program. And then with the city college of San Francisco. And then I got into San UC Santa Cruz where I played and studied for a couple of years. Uh, and then after that went to Finland <laughs> and played semi-professionally uh, wow. for a couple of years. And then when wow, I, you're good, the whole time in my mind, I've always wanted to, to do acting and filmmaking. And so when I came back, I, I got injured and I was also like 30 or no, like 27, 28, uh, playing, trying out for teams with a bunch of 18 year olds and feeling like, you know, the clock is ticking. I could probably put my energy towards something more, uh, more potential or upside. <laughs> so I got back and uh, hopped into the acting. Actually, my first theater gig was at uh, Contra Costa Civic Theater. Oh, oh wow. Oh, so yeah. So I, I was in uh, All the Way by Robert Jenkins. Yeah, that's the piece about Lyndon B. Johnson. I think Kari Moy, Kim Donovan, a bunch oh, of folks nice. that I know were in that. And Terrence Smith, I think, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I had a – yeah, that was a pretty – that was an amazing experience just because of the, the big – like such a big cast. And I got to uh, – I was introduced to so many different Bay Area theater folks who, who, and, and to watch them work was uh, such a great way to start off. Yeah. So you personally knew Georgia Benedict. What's, uh, I don't, the stage manager? Yeah, she wasn't the stage manager w for that show, but I think I, I must have met her at some point. I don't. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. Um, but it sounds like you didn't. Did so? Yeah, you, you haven't had any uh, training as far as theater is concerned. You just jumped in. Uh, no, actually. So I, I skipped the whole part. I I studied with Rachel Adler, uh, Meisner technique for about two years before. I got got that role um and then i bought and i've been and concurrently it was in the school called the Bentley center for performance and so i've been in that for three years so I, as soon as i got back i did a couple jobs like working on film sets and was thinking to just go be a filmmaker uh and then i did this movie where i was watching you know i was working for i was working as an ac for a, a cinematographer and i just was like i, I want to be doing the acting work and so at that point, I enrolled in these classes, and yeah, a couple of years later, then I started actually booking work. But there's a lot of, a lot of things to learn from me. <laughs> yeah, you've been really, really active almost immediately. I mean, usually for some folks, it takes a little bit of time to break in. Um, I guess how did you break in? I mean, did you just go in? I mean, did, do you have an agent who will tell you when the jobs are or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. So, so there's, there's these two years where I was just studying, 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 working uh, in class, um, and then I eventually got headshots and then just contacted an agent. And I think uh, from there they got me a bunch of commercial gigs. Uh, and then the way I got into who's your agent? Just curious. Oh yeah, my agent is uh, uh, Nilo. I'm represented by Nilo agency. There's a couple oh. there. Um, 
I thought it was going to be stars because it seems like everyone's doing stars. No, I think it's smarter if you're not stars. Stars got too many people. Right. That was my that was my thought about it because I I, I kind of uh, picked out Nyla just because they're a boutique in, uh, agency and I was just starting out um, mm -hmm. and I didn't really want to get lost in the crowd. Uh, so yeah. smart. That's smart. Yeah. Do you enjoy, um, I mean, your theater experience, I guess, can you compare the theater experience versus the film? I mean, is there one that you enjoy better than the other? Yeah, actually, it's been really interesting because I, I would have always thought of been more interested in film just because I was like, kind of, as a child, I was like my first love, like watching Star Wars and other movies every Friday. <laughs> my mom would let me watch TV. But uh, I think after doing this first theater performance, I realized like, how and and for my experience in class like i really started falling in love with the live audience and like the the contact that you have and then also to be able to live something out in full right instead of just chopped up segments like for me film feels like this reliving of like small moments over and over again like which is interesting it's like a whole nother magic trick but like the, the theater experience feels very rewarding in a way i couldn't have anticipated until having done it. That's what, when you guys mentioned, um, you mentioned directing in film, uh, how often do you get that opportunity in film to actually go back over something? It seems like a lot of times they just sort of go, okay, that's good enough, moving on. 100%, yeah. I mean, they just, because there's so much money on the line and time is of the essence, right? So they're just like, you know, oh, they, they're, they're booking you because you did the thing. Like in, in the case of the film that I was just booked in, it's like a supporting role. They don't, I'm not there to do anything special. They just want to know that I can like be a piece to move the story along. So that's, that's why they hired me, you know, and then they're not going to be spending much time telling me about the, the intricacies of my character. They're just hired. Right. Me. I presented in the audition. Right. Yeah. Nobody's worried about your motivation. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. And I just finished uh, well, maybe uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did a, um, a commercial it was a uh, a youtube like film commercial and yep. i'm noticing a trend with especially young film directors who are coming out of college and yep. i noticed that they have a hard time talking to actors or talking about motivation i get a lot of line readings like you know read it this way or read it that way it's almost like doing voice work it's like you know can you lower your voice or whatever like they don't know how to talk about motivation have you noticed that norman i mean uh, having worked in you did a little bit of work in film, right? I've done a little, yeah. Um, no, the first thing I figured out was, oh, because I did, and I talked about this before on the show, I got to the last season of Nash Bridges, I got to do a, a show. And I'm, I'm on there, I'm so excited. It's, you know, one of those uh, gigs that all the local actors seem like they're getting. I felt like I finally got my shot, yay. So I get on set, and the director's just real casual, friendly, and says, so why don't we just, we just want to make sure that we got this, you know, got this set the way we want it. So why don't you guys just run through it one time and let's see what it is. So we run through it thinking it's just going to be like, we're just checking lights and, you know, like you would do in theater. We finished. They're like, okay, that's good. Let's move on. Set up for the next shot. And I was like, whoa. So I spent the rest of the night. Every time they said, shoot something again, I was like, what else can I do with this? Because... You may not have another I might get opportunity. One shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The work really becomes like something you do on your own, right? For yep. you know, the more you put into it offset, the more options you have when the, the moment comes. Because, yeah, if you don't do that, there's not a lot of opportunity to, to, to what do you call it, uh, explore it in the moment. Right. Yeah. You, you better be flexible. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I guess, because every time I watch a, can you guys hear me? I don't know if my volume. Yeah, no, I hear okay, you. No, it's fine. But um, when I watch a television show or a movie and I see, let's say, some really bad acting or let's say I'm, I don't know what the motivation is coming from. Now I'm getting an understanding. It's like, you know, if, they, if you have a director who is really focused on the shot or the look or anything that has nothing to do with motivation and you have an actor similarly who's not focused on, the, you know, the work that theater actors do then you can sort of understand this sort of, I don't want to say plasticky, but just very surface type emotions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I appreciate about theater is that you really get into, okay, so why is the actor doing this? Or, you know, why is the character doing this? So what's the motivation? Um, would you well, like Aaron said, though, it's you, if the more you do that work on your own, 
the more you can bring it to the experience. It's not that they don't want it. They just don't have time to sit there and fuss with it. Yeah, they're allowing the actor to do it on their own, which means you have to. Like, I remember you know, Christopher Nolan was talking about Batman and how Heath Ledger sort of locked himself in a room and just focused on the character Joker on his own while the other uh, well, Christopher Nolan and other, you know, the, the film folks are doing other things. So by the time he's actually on the camera, he's got the character right there without any work or any help from the, uh, the director. So, yeah, I totally get what you get. If the actor is motivated towards doing that. But I guess if you're not, then you're not going to get cast. So um, well, or you're going to be natural. <laughs> yeah, that, lots yeah, of actors thing. who just understand what this relationship is to the camera. They totally get it. Actually, so this, the, um, the piece I'm working on, the solo piece, at one point he talks about a Gregory Hines interview and says that was a key point in his experience, in this, in this performer's experience, was hearing that interview. And I was like, that's really cool. So I dug around and I found the interview. And so what I wanted him to do, he talks about that he's doing drugs sitting around doing drugs and this interview is playing and suddenly he stops. So I said, I want to see that moment of you going and you get ready to do another one and then you stop and then you just watch. And when we first did it, he it was a 40 second clip and he sat there the whole time. And I was like, wow, that's a long time, but it was working, right? The next time we went to record it, he barely took 10 seconds and he just rushed through. And I was like, dude, I need you to just really just sit with this. And so I told him, and I've told this story before, um, when uh, Sean Penn directed Colors, Robert Duvall was the actor in it. And uh, Sean Penn tells the story of, it was his first directing thing. He's a young guy. Here's Duvall, this veteran, you know, he's, you know, nominated for The Godfather. Just, this is who he's working with. So there's a scene where he plays a cop and I think a death has happened or some incident and he has to tell the family what's going on, but he has to do it in that sort of official capacity. But we want to see that the character knows this was fucked up, but he's not going to say that. So they shoot the scene and it's a close up. They shoot the scene. He doesn't see any reaction. He's looking for a reaction. He doesn't see it. So he's like, oh, shit, it's, you know, it's, it's Robert Duvall. I, I ain't going to say nothing to him. Um, that's great, Bobby. That's great. Let's just shoot it again to have a safety. So they shoot it again. Same thing. Doesn't see anything. So then he's like, you know, and this was way back in the day. So he lies and says, there was a hair in the gate. <laughs> Let's take it one more time. So now he's sitting right behind the camera, the DP, and he's looking in the camera at Duvall, does the take, same thing. So he's like, well, okay, I can't say anything to him about this. I'll just look at the dailies and see what we got, and then I'll come up with an excuse if I have to. He looks at it in the dailies. Every shot, it's there. Every shot. And so I tell this to my actor, my performer, because I'm like, dude, you got to trust that you're having this relationship with the camera. As long as you are engaged in your process and it's happening, we're going to see it. We're going to see what we need to see. And you can sit there in silence for literally 25 seconds and we're going to buy it. Yep. And it's one of those things where I guess you have to see it in the camera. You have to, um, you know, what you may see off, uh, because I know a lot of directors, they're not behind the camera, so they don't really know what the camera's picking up. Right. And so it, it takes looking in the dailies to well, see. Well, he didn't, right. He didn't see it until it was projected on a big screen. And then he was like, oh, damn, it's there in every take. <laughs> And I'm sure Robert Duvall was like, you know, rolling his eyes, like, listen. Well, I, he I never said I... anything to Duvall about about yeah. it. So, and I'm sure Duvall didn't say anything to him. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I totally get it. No, I bet, I bet <laughs> Duvall was like, "What the fuck? What are you? Why? Why are we taking it?" Again? <laughs> right. Um, so, Aaron, I mean, acting in the Bay, are you getting? Are you? Is the Bay giving you what you want? I mean, are you frustrated or are you are you satisfied? Do you want to move on to, let's say, Los Angeles or New York? You know, what's, what's your state as an actor in the Bay? How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, obviously under, under COVID, things have been ground to a halt, right? I was really looking forward to, in 2020, to do a bunch of theater just to keep practicing, getting more experience uh, and involving myself in the community there. Uh, and so that didn't happen. But, I mean, commercial work kept up, so I did... I did a couple commercials, one of which sounds like you saw. Um, and 
but long term, yeah, I've definitely been looking to move to LA. So at the moment, I'm looking for doing some research and trying to find some representation down there, having just come off this this Netflix feature. But um, for me, I think it's really up in the air at the moment, just because I don't know how things are going to pan out. Like I was planning to move to LA in November, um, and just with the the spikes in case cases of coronavirus, I just felt right. Yeah, that's not the place you want to go right now. <laughs> Right. There's not like a bunch of work. It's not like because, you know, I, I kind of really wanted to take a couple of years to really dive into theater just to become a better actor. Um, just because I feel like I like I like this idea of being a, a craftsman and, and theater gives me more opportunity to do that in some ways. And then and then use and then the whole time be uh, looking at film work uh, to jump into as I get more experience. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's, a, that's an adequate answer. But. No, 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 I totally understand. You know, it's funny. Here's a question I'll ask to both of you because, you know, I have a day job and I could never imagine, and maybe it's just fear or maybe I'm just being a chicken, of, let's say, quitting my day job and just being a full-blown actor and just having an agent and just, you know, not all of my income is totally on my art. Mm. And I've never conceived that I could really do that. I mean, not that not that I'm not talented enough or whatever, but what is it like? I guess I'll ask you, Norman. I mean, do you ever fear? Yeah, oh my God. I'm... Spot. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, you've been doing it for a very long time. Never having, I don't think you ever, have you ever had like a nine to five job or whatever, or, you know, how's it been? Just... I have, um, I quit my last nine to five job in 1998. Wow. But you sustained yourself. I mean, you've done very, very well. I guess the question is well, how. I, I mean, I've sustained myself. I, I... <laughs> but is it constantly every day searching for a new job? I mean, is that that the um, Well, you know, it's so funny because, of course, at this point, I know, like, and lots of people here know, Coleman Domingo was in Bay Area Theater, went to New York, bounced back and forth, and then just started to blow up. And so now he's in uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And I look at that and I'm like, I remember, Col I've been on stage with Coleman. I remember Coleman. Um, Coleman knows how to hustle. <laughs> Coleman knows how to take advantage of those opportunities. Coleman kept doing it. I'm more of the, oh, you didn't cast me. Like, I don't know how many times I've auditioned for Berkeley Rep. And I swear, I went in there one time and I felt like the woman was looking at me like, why are you back here? Uh, but... I also had another audition where she stopped. She said, that was really good. And I said, oh, thanks. She said, no, that was really good. Here's what we're doing next season. Let's talk. I was like, whoa, okay. So on those bad days, yeah, I might go home with my tail between my legs and not try. You know, the next year when they have their generals again, I might go, no, I'm not going back this year. Uh -oh. And so knowing, you know, I got to find some way to keep my head straight so that I can get up and go and do that next one. No, I'm I'm content to be local, and you know I'm always hoping to find that next opportunity locally. If something someplace else were to happen, that's great. But I'm not going and chasing it. You know, Coleman, when he was first gone, he got to New York, and like everybody else, he got a few gigs, but he was hustling another job. At one point, he was bartending. I remember this because um, Cal Shakes kept hiring him to come back for their summer program. And then Berkeley Rep would hire him. And then it got to the point where they were like coordinating. So he'd get to do a show at Cal Shakes and then do maybe the season opener at Berkeley Rep. <clears throat> and he's hanging out. And so we're walking. I bump into him on Telegraph. We're walking down the street. And I'm like, oh, damn. So, hey, what's happening? What show are you doing now? Ha ha, you're back in town again. Coleman Domingo, I say, the New York actor. And he said, Norman, in New York, I am a bartender. Hmm. And that was deep to me because as a Bay Area actor, Berkeley Rep is where we want to be. Cal Shakes is where we want to be. They're calling him and flying him in, or not flying him in. At first, they were not flying him in. Those last few times, they were flying him in, they were housing him, and they were giving him a car. Wow. <laughs> um, but at that point, still in New York, he was hustling, a, you know, a regular job. You know, it's, yeah, you know, you, you do what you do. And... The last story I'll add into this is at one point I was a teaching artist for um, Berkeley Rep. And we would do these residencies at different high schools. And then you bring the kids to see the current show at Berkeley Rep. So they did an adaptation of Oliver Twist. Brought my kids. At the end, we got to do a talk back. Wonderful. So these are all New York actors on the tour 
from New York with this show. The show has already been on Broadway and is now touring the country. And one of the kids asked how many of them this is their regular job. And the guy playing Fagan, who had a regular recurring role on Law & Order, he was one of the like DAs. He was one of the guys that was always losing to the main characters. <laughs> um, and, you know, so every season he would maybe get four or five episodes a season. That was, that was his other gig. Um, he said, show of hands, everybody on stage, show of hands, who doesn't either have another job or a partner who is the primary support? Every hand went up on stage. These are New York actors. You know, there, there is, most of us are working in the trenches. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And, you know, that's a very important story. Aaron, I mean, uh, how, do, you, do you feel the stress of, you know, supporting yourself or, you know, continuing to look for a job perpetually? I mean, or are you pretty, pretty comfortable? I mean, you know, it sounds like you're getting a job pretty quickly, regularly. Definitely not supporting myself off of acting at this point. I, I work as a, a soccer coach. Actually, I just I, I quit my uh, quote day job. Uh, kind of I, when I got cast in this Netflix movie, I was sitting in the trailer and I was like, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to coach soccer teams anymore. And so I, I quit that. And uh, I've been doing private coaching, which has been great during COVID. Ironically, just because kids are like uh, have nothing to do, right? But so yeah, I mean. If I were, if I didn't have that, it'd be a lot more difficult. And I also have my parents who live in the Bay um, and I'm able to stay with them if I need to. So I, I'm really grateful for the flexibility that allows me. Um, at the moment, I'm actually in Ashland, Oregon, where my girlfriend's parents have a place that we were able to stay. So there's been so many things that have like fallen into place for me to allow me to focus on my art right now, you know, so I can, I don't have to worry about um, hustling that hard because Honestly, it doesn't just doesn't feel like the the opportunities are there right now to be able to survive off of acting, especially with where I'm at in my career. I'm not Coleman Domingo by by any stretch. Well, not yet, but but you're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I think a lot of us because you know when I remember when I first you know got into um, Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and of course all of us young kids were like, oh yeah, you know it's fame and we're going to make it big. We just need to be discovered and everything will be wonderful. And I remember, I mean, one story. Um, a good friend of mine, Crystal Rivers, who was in Do the Right Thing, uh, the Spike Lee joint. And we were like, wow, Krista made it. You know, she's going to be rich and all that stuff. And I remember a couple of years later riding on the Metro, which is uh, DC's version of BART. And she was on there. And I was like, oh, Krista, what's going on? You know, you, are you what show are you doing? What movie are you in? She's like, I've got a day job. I mean, I, you know, I had my little thing, but it's gone. And a lot of times it happens that way. And, you know, it just it is what it is. So um, but one question that I had for um, for Norman. It's, so, Aaron, it sounds like you I mean, you're getting in, but you're, you're sort of I think you're in your I thought you were a millennial, but it sounds like you're a little older than a millennial. Would you consider yourself a millennial? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a millennial. This okay. is right? That's the cutoff. Right? You're, you're in your early 30s, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm 32. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Norman, what's what's the difference between directing a young actor, let's say someone who's just coming out of school, and an older actor who's coming into the theater for the first time? I mean, I, I, is it easier? Is it harder? Is it? Um, you understand the question? <laughs> yeah. Well, so this solo work that I'm working on, and this is through Afro Solo. And if you don't know about Afro Solo, Afro Solo is an incredible organization. It's been around since, I think, 94. Um, Thomas Simpson created it. It came out of a birthday party he threw for himself, and a bunch of his friends were performers. And then everybody was so excited about it, they did it again the next year. And then he created a formal organization. And so it started off as just theater. And that was back in the day when... Theater, solo theater was happening across the country. Uh, Spalding Gray was huge. Um, I got involved shortly after that, and I've, I've done a piece, and I've directed a lot of pieces. Every performer is different. So I directed a young guy who was coming out of ACT. The guy I'm directing right now, Vernon, has been doing theater in the Bay Area since the 70s. You know, the spectrum is huge. Um, Vernon doesn't have formal training, so that vocabulary, that way of working, not necessarily going to work for him. On the other hand, he's an amazingly hard worker, and, and he does something, and it's so funny, I can't, because I'm not good about this, maybe this impresses me a lot. Every rehearsal, 
I showed up at, he was there. I get there 10 minutes before he's there. You know, I'm like, good, yay, we can get to work because I'm not waiting on somebody. But what I learned by working with Afro Solo is every performer was different. Everybody had their own thing. So there's some people who are really responsive to that sort of established vocabulary of theater. On the other hand, there's some people who have all that knowledge and they're prickly. They're so prickly. So I learned, you know, I learned that whole range of stuff. And what I've learned, and because I teach also, I had to learn once I felt really confident about my teaching to turn that off when I go into the directing. I'm not here to teach you. I'm here to work with you. So that's where film comes in again. As a film director, you don't have time to let's stop and talk about the scene and blah, 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 blah. Do you know your lines? Are you ready to go? You know, it's a Spencer Tracy thing. Know your lines. Don't bump into the furniture. <laughs> you know? I, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. And you need to trust. <laughs> it's the collaborative aspect of this. You need to trust that your performer has something to contribute. And your job as a director is to figure out what they have to contribute and then make sure that that fits in the overall vision of what you're doing. Yeah, no, I totally hear you. And uh, a lot of, cause I, you know, there are a lot of young actors, they may know the, the language or the, you know, the, the, the lingo, the jargon, but they may not have the life experience or, and they may be prickly, just as you said, where a lot of uh, older actors, I always wonder, cause I remember a good friend of my Bob sick and we had him on the A. He was directing um, John Hutchinson, who has also been on the A and, John had been the Hutch had been involved in theater for well over half century. Mm -hmm. And so he knew all sorts of things. Um, but, you know, he had his little habits and, you know, it took a while for Bob, who's a young director to sort of break, you know, Hutch out of uh, the habit or to get him to the character that he wanted him to be. So he had to find a new language to talk to Hutch. Yeah. And other actor was a younger individual. So it's, you know, I'm always impressed with the directors who know the different languages to speak to different actors, because that's, that's a whole different talent that I think I have, but uh, you know, I've never directed in my life, but uh, that's, that's a talent that I really respect of directors. Have you had uh, some many, uh, some memorable, I don't know, directors, or is there a way that you want to be approached Aaron when you are, you know, when you're, when you're acting? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Cause I think, uh, when I first started, I wanted, you know, I wanted like daddy to walk, hold my hand and tell me exactly what to do. Right. I realized that that's just me not knowing or feeling confident in what my process is. Um, and so then I would also like hold on to like what you like. I was a little prickly maybe in terms of like all these like technical terms I was learning uh, and being like, oh, this is the way it has to be. Or this, you know, and now I think of it more as a toolbox. So if someone can, I'm interested in working with people are, are introducing to me to a new language or something like, I, I don't know, I feel very open and flexible. And I'm curious about how other people work, because I feel like every new director has a different way of doing things. and I pick something up off of them. Uh, and that's exciting to me. So I don't know that I have a specific person that I'm looking for. Yeah, well, maybe not yet. What type of work do you like to do? I mean, are you into comedy? Are you into serious stuff? You know, like, would there be a dream project that you would want to work on? Um, what type of an actor uh, are you? Yeah, yeah, I kind of, uh, man. Well, I definitely, <laughs> I when I make my own stuff, I, I like, I'm such a goofy person, in my heart. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think I really enjoy like comedy or specifically like farce, um, like satire kind of kind of work. Um, like, and so one person I, I kind of hold in, in high esteem is Jordan Peele, and so I I would love to work on a project with him because. I don't know. Watch just being a person of of, uh, of mixed ethnicity. Watching him and uh, what's the other guy's name, uh, Keegan Michael Key, do their sketch comedy show was like really impactful. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I've never seen anyone that like has the life background as I do doing uh, doing this kind of work. Um, and then I'd say dramatically, I don't know. I'm I that feels like the place that's more challenging for me, and so it's not like such a comfort zone. And so I actually like, I really enjoy challenges and think that's, that's, that's where I want to like, uh, put most of my efforts moving forward. And then, and then just like total pipe dream. I want to play a Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
you're trying to get into the uh, Star Wars, uh, uh, um, what is it, the the universe, I guess, the, that's what they're calling it, yeah, the cinematic yeah. universe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'll be cool. Let's see, I'm trying to think of uh, other, um, Norman, do you have any questions? Well, I, so, just to sort of back up to, you got, you said your first uh, show in the Bay Area was uh, Contra Costa? Yeah. All the way, yeah. All the way. That's not that long ago. That's yeah, it wasn't that long ago at all. <laughs> yeah, that was about that was about a year and a half ago. I want to say. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I just came back from Finland, hopped into studying, and that was the first show I did. And that's yeah. kind of cool. Um, how, how? What are the other places you kind of bounced around? Uh, what do you mean, the theater world or just? Yeah, theater world. Yeah. Uh, let's see. That's like literally the only theater show. I've done. Oh, your how focus did, has been more film. Yeah. How did, how did uh, Susan Evans discover you when you did the Breck project? So, so, um, Kim Donovan. Yay. 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 Kim. No, sorry. Kimberly Ridgeway. I met Kim. That, oh, that's okay. Yay. Kimberly Ridgeway. We love her. We love both of them. Yes. I met, I met Kimberly, uh, through the acting studio I was studying at because at the time Ubuntu theater was renting out that space that we rented from in the uh, waterfront playhouse and so oh right yeah 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 i met uh, kimberly there in passing and she just like noticed me and like i gave her a headshot at some point and then she like contacted me on facebook like hey we're looking for some some actors and then i went and auditioned for maryland um at cct and then that's how i got into that show very cool also yeah. oh, so kim uh, ridgeway pulled you to do the breck project as well that's right yeah so she's kind of like my my uh uh, what unofficial agent, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, she pulled me in. As a matter of fact, next week on the 16th, I'll be uh, doing a, uh, I think it's Dragon Theater. Dragon yeah, Dragon Theater, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they're doing an online thing, and uh, she's dragged me into that as well. No, Kimberly Ridway is, is awesome. Kim Donovan is awesome as well. So, um, you know, both. But uh, Kimberly Ridgeway, she's she's um, she's a hustler. She's a mover and a shaker. She's really uh, creating things. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I'm really impressed with how much she has going on. She actually pulled. I did a Dragon Theater thing uh, last week or two weeks ago. Uh huh. Actually, right before the New Year. So, yeah, there was that, and then then obviously your your the Breck piece. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you did you're, a fantastic you're traveling job. Traveling in good company. Yeah. <laughs> how did you enjoy doing the uh, the Breck project? Was that a uh, was oh, well, that a cool experience for you? Yeah, it was great to meet. It was it was really cool to just drop into. It, it seemed like you guys had all worked together before, and there was this like um, uh, familiarity you all shared, and it was it was fun to be part of that. And then I just loved your piece so much. Like I, I don't know, I like read all of them, and that was I was really excited to get cast as that because I I don't know, just as someone, a person of color in this role, where I got to play this like real nasty dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you didn't and you didn't play him nastily i mean you was very very cool and very deliberate and that's absolutely perfect you know sometimes you can be a little too on the nose right, and right. You, you did it just just right um no yeah that's fantastic um i was uh, i did have uh, another you had you had a follow-up <laughs> i thought i had a follow-up but um oh, well i will say because you, you kind of mentioned um you know, it's funny, we talk about these people who've, who've managed their careers in such ways, gone on to such things. Um, and, you know, if we were going to point to anything in 2020 in terms of careers, we have to talk about Chadwick Boseman. Right. And, oh, yeah. And I was not that aware of him until Black Panther. I was not aware of him. And then I realized there were all these movies. And the thing was, for me, because I lived most of that history, I didn't want to see it. Thurgood Marshall, I didn't live. I was kind of curious about that, but didn't care about sports, didn't care about, you know, James Brown, not my favorite person. Great musician, not my favorite person. Um, and I realized, wow, he, and then the way everybody's been talking about him since he died, you get the sense that he was a really hardworking actor. That's true of a lot of people, but he also was managing his career in an amazing way so that he was finding these opportunities that that felt meaningful. Like when he was being interviewed after Black Panther, there was a way where he was almost embarrassed. He was so humble. And I was like, I wonder what that's about. Is this just this happy actor going, wow, I'm getting all this attention? And I think it's much more of the I picked up a gig because it was, I felt like it was in my wheelhouse. It was what I wanted to be doing. And yet, 
you know, now it's got this huge response and people don't know what I'm getting ready to do next. They have no idea. And you can tell in that last performance and Ma Rainey, that performance, he is so kind of goofy at moments. Um, that there's an actor just having a great time doing a performance. And I'm like, these opportunities don't necessarily come to you, but you do get to choose how you want to approach them. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You mentioned Ma Rainey's Black Bob. I haven't seen it as of yet, but I've seen some Ooh. clips. And it's, you know, because uh, I, I recognize Chadwick Boseman, and you remind me a lot of him, Aaron, because, you know, you're very, you know, uh, just grounded. And I don't see the bubbly side, just like I never saw the bubbly side of um, Chadwick Boseman. Until Ma Rainey, I'm like, oh, wow, there's a there's a different side of him. And those are some wonderful moments, you know, when you see an actor, whether it's on stage or on film and you see a totally different side. Um, Like you can see uh, you can see um, um, Five Bloods, too, which I don't think is a great movie. Yeah. Performances are really good. His performance. And it's another character where I was like, wow. Okay. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now here's a question. I had forgotten the question. Now I found the question. Um, but you mentioned you are you're into writing. I mean, you do write some things as well, don't you, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So what so what are some of the things that you write about? Um, well, I have a like right now I have this little writing group with my my friends. Um it's kind of actually like kind of back to what I was saying about uh comedy. Like I, I find it really easy to write like like kind of satire about what's going like i grew up watching south park so i think that's <laughs> my mind state with that i just like finding the irony in uh in current events and whatnot like so i don't know if you guys have been following <laughs> following cryptocurrencies but i've been like kind of, like kind of fascinated by this like emotional hype and this roller coaster of like trading and stock oh trading. yeah and it's yeah, like it's, I mean, yeah it's been a big news story in 2020 right and so i've got this like little like uh, I'm trying to develop some like TikTok pieces just to explore that medium with some of my friends about with these like characters who are like like terrible traders of cryptocurrencies like you know following their emotional swings. Um, oh yeah, one thing I've been doing, uh, and then I have a couple other screenplays that I've been working on for a long time, um, which I'll keep under wraps until. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Don't give up any of your secrets. Yeah. yeah cryptocurrency. That's I mean, and there are all sorts of I mean, not just Bitcoin, but there are all sorts of like just There's strange coins. World, yes. Yeah. It's a, like, it's a rabbit hole to jump. jump. Every well, social media. My son, so my son got a, a, a was in a car. He was in a bike accident um, oh, no. and they got, you know, settlement. Um, <laughs> so he got this money and he apparently put just a hundred dollars, but a hundred dollars into I don't know if it was Bitcoin or what it was. Yeah. Um, and right now it's up to like 127. So he's like, wow, you know, it's been a year. Right, he's right. like, wow, that's, I wish I'd put more money in that. And it's like, yeah, but are you reading those other stories? Yeah, you could, yeah, yeah, totally. yeah you could totally lose it. Yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say a similar thing happened to me. Like I had put it like back in the last, like, like 2017, I put some money in, forgot about it. And then like I went and checked in August and like, what, if, like I randomly put it in some, cryptocurrency that uh called leak and then that had like 10x or something and i was like oh my gosh like 1600 dollars here yes <laughs> of, of that dollar you know if you can spend it if you can yeah. convert it then you well, know you then you got something <laughs> um i guess one last question because we were hitting the one hour mark i guess um you've talked about you wanting to go to la i mean is there um I guess the question is about the future. I mean, do you want to get into, you may be equity already. Are you equity? Are you SAG-AFTRA? Are you a, are a part of any union? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I just became SAG eligible when I did this Netflix feature. So mm-hmm. planning to join the union here pretty shortly. Yeah, yeah smart. Right yeah. on. So I guess you see yourself in the next five or 10 years, probably in LA doing film. I mean, do you want to, um, do you see theater as sort of a jumping point to bigger and better things? And also, are you, do you want to do like, let's say YouTube videos and, you know, you're already doing TikTok, but you know, there are all sorts of other mediums that you can, that you can use. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, the things that keeps me sane is doing my own work. Like when coronavirus first hit, I, I made a whole YouTube series called basement theory about this guy who's a conspiracy theorist in his mom's basement coming up with all the reasons why, coronavirus is a you know i don't know there's just so much stuff around that that i find really interesting but i, I guess moving forward like 
Yeah, I, you know, I went to LA recently to go visit and, and scope out some houses. And every time I go there, I'm driving on the freeway looking at all the cars and just like, it's not the Bay Area. I grew up in the Bay Area and I'm just such a nature guy that I, I don't know that I could actually settle there. Um, so I have this vision of being able to drop in and drop out or maybe someday when I have enough money, like own a place there and not have to like spend all my time there. But the goal is to become a working actor and have a reputation where I can speak you know and and follow my interests and not be like at the whim of or not be in this position of like begging for work you know right yeah yeah no i totally hear you you should send us the links to uh you know if you have any youtube videos uh so we so people can see your work okay. and if you have a script for two old black guys <laughs> hey there you go. There you go. I'll definitely give you guys a mind. Yeah. 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 Exactly. No, I mean, folks who are, are listening or watching this, Aaron Jones is a fantastic actor. You know, really, really tight. And uh, so, if you're looking for, um, <clears throat> for for a person, and of course, in the end of this, we'll have a link to your. Uh, do you have a web page or anything like that? Uh, I don't have a web page. Um, I have an Instagram. Yeah. 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 In any case, uh, let's get into shoutouts, birthdays. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to try and skip the ones that I know you have, but um, including today. Um, but uh, uh, Stephen McLeod, a young actor, Bay Area actor, birthdays today. Yep, we've had, we've had him on. Hmm? Remember we had him on? Yeah. I, I, I try. Um, got another one I'm skipping. Uh, Van Duke is um, an actor I got to do a weird adaptation of Alice in Wonderland with. And, um, and he's actually an old friend of Coleman Domingo's. He now spends, I think, all of his time as a personal trainer. And he was one of the ones to get in early on the virtual thing, you know, so way before COVID. I'm sure he must be very comfortable right now. Um, Kelly Hopkins is a woman who was uh, sort of the office manager for Each One Reach One. So all that work that I used to do in juvie. And I was just talking to somebody about that recently and saying, I don't know that I'm ever going to get to do any of that again. That era may be gone, but she was somebody who kind of helped keep us on the right track. Uh, Carolina Moronis is somebody I met because her sister Regina was the lead in As You Like It last summer with Cal, not last summer now, year and a half ago with Cal Shakes, uh, not Cal Shakes, San Francisco Shakes. Um, and she's now, I think, working with ACT. I saw that and I was like, whoa, nice. I, you know, I think I acted with her. I think we did uh, Women on the Verge. Ah. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Michael Anthony Torres runs the program at uh, Laney College, um, is a founding member of Campo Santo. His birthday is coming up this week. Greg Bryan, you know, when you meet people who look like somebody else, I knew another actor, and Greg Bryan looked just like him, and I kept thinking somebody should do comedy bearers or something like that where you need two, you know, cousins, brothers, whatever. Um, amazing comic actor. Uh, Danielle Kane is somebody I met when I got to, I did a show up in Santa Rosa, up in the North Bay, and I didn't know there was such a vibrant theater scene up there, and she is actor and director, I'm not sure she's still centered up there, but she's still in the Bay Area. Griffin O'Connor was uh, one of our interns on As You Like It when we did that a year and a half ago. Rich Sargent, I met as a stage manager for a show I got to do at the Gene Shelton, not Gene Shelton, but the Shelton Studio. It had been started by Gene Shelton. Um, Shelton Studio uh, did a production there, and it turns out he actually has a little theater company. I think they're called Left Edge. Uh, they do shows up at Tahoe. So he's, I've always thought somebody should do that. Take your little Bay Area show and take it someplace else. He does that. So I'm really impressed with him. Kristen Muir is somebody I met when she was a young woman. And now she is a mother of, I believe, two um, young actress when I met her. Uh, Daniel Levin. Uh, and I got to do, there are the Shakespeare plays that nobody knows about. One of them is called Cymbeline. It is a bizarre play. And it, it is mostly known for the trunk scene. There's a bedroom scene where he climbs out of a trunk to, he's try, he, he has made a bet that he can get with her. And he goes in while she's sleeping in her bedroom. He, is, he gets a trunk delivered to her room, climbs out of the trunk. And so that's the big trick in the show is how do you deliver this trunk and make it seem like it's real. And we had the smallest box possible. I played the villain. 
We had the smallest box possible that I could climb up through. And of course, they did a trapdoor thing. It was very fun. Anyway, she I had never met her um, before that. And she's this amazing actress. And she now works up at Pixar. So I'm not sure if she does much stage at all anymore. Those are my birthdays for the week. Okay, mine are quick. Uh, today, Craig Dickerson, uh, he is 57 years old. Happy birthday, Craig. A fantastic actor. He's Amazing. now in, yeah, he's in uh, Texas, and he was a longtime EastEnderer. That was a company that I was involved in for a long time, headed up by Chuck Polly, the late Chuck Polly, and Susan. Wonderful Adam. musician, also. Yes, guitarist. We've, we've jammed uh, and a couple piano. of times. Yeah, and piano. No, he's fantastic. Also, today, Rona Siddiqui, who is. Now on Broadway, uh, she's a Broadway. Um, excuse me. Salute. Thank you. She's a Broadway. Uh, I believe she wrote or helped wrote Kinky Boots, and oh. uh, she was a. Um, I met her. We did. Uh, we were part of the Darkroom Theater, and um, had wonderful times there. And now she's gone to bigger and better things. Her birthday's today. Also, um, going on. Oh yes, tomorrow. Paul Baird McCormick, uh, his birthday is tomorrow, January the 10th. He was um, sort of a sex symbol. We did uh, Hedda Gobbler, and uh, he was the um, the love interest of uh, Hedda. And uh, I tell you, you know, the ladies just oohed and awed uh, when he was on the <laughs> stage. So his birthday, I think he's in L.A. Uh, his birthday is tomorrow. Also, Casey DeCaney, I'm trying to remember where I remember her from, where we acted. I think she was involved in the EastEnder play, but uh, she her birthday is on Wednesday. On Thursday, Angel Andedukun, uh, you probably remember her. She was the young black actress that we had on the Yay. Oh. Uh, remember she had the very high, high, high voice? Uh -huh. um, she was a singer, and, um, and I acted with her. We did a uh, play by Lynn Aylward. <clears throat> and uh, she's a really, really wonderful presence. Local playwright. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So Angel Andedokan, her birthday is Thursday, and that is it. Those are the birthdays that I have. Any shows? Um, I just got the uh, playground that's coming up on the 18th, um, and my play is, oh gosh, I, I should have it right here. Um, it's, uh, of course, it's a local playwright. Um, we're going to be the opener where is it? Here it is. It is called. I can jump in if you Go ahead. Uh, need time. <laughs> I got an email from Jay Cronengold, and he will be involved in Shakespeare in Place, which will be performing tomorrow, only tomorrow, uh -huh. online at 6.30, and I'll have a link to that. And uh, did you? Well, we've got, uh, so ours is, uh, it's called, the play is called Now and Then We Lose Everything. Playground does, uh, during the normal theater season, they do uh, one evening a month, six short pieces, under one theme. The theme this month is reunification. And it was interesting because I was one of the readers of the plays and how many people wrote about exes, you know, ex-lovers getting back in touch with each other right now. Um, and this is another play like that. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a fun piece. Uh, it's got a nice trick to it that I don't want to give away. And I was thrilled when they said we were going to open the evening. So it'll be 7 o'clock a week from Monday on the 18th. Nice, nice. Aaron, do you have anything you want to promote before we close things up? Yeah, sure. If you want to check me out on, on Netflix, uh, the movie's called A California Christmas. Um, ah. Yeah, like a little Christmas movie. It's a bit late for that, but, you know. Then um, I got my YouTube channel. is YouTube slash, like, Basement Theory. Research Basement Theory. Yeah, if you if you send me the link, then uh, people can just click onto it. We'll Great. we'll have it on in the, on there. That's easy. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Very very cool, Aaron. Uh, did you enjoy yourself today? Yeah, it was great. Great talking to you guys. Yeah, first first uh, kind of professional podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us on. I mean, for being a guest for us. <laughs> yeah, much appreciated. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and of course, we are on uh, YouTube and uh, we want to thank everyone who has uh, liked and subscribed us so far. I think we have maybe 20, 25. We're, 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 we're growing. I don't think it's ever going to be 10,000, 20,000 or anything like that. Oh, but you never know. We, we have to talk, actually. 
Good, good. <laughs> I, I got good news for you. <laughs> awesome. I'd love to hear that. So in any case, for those who are watching us on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Uh, and, you know, hit the thumbs up. And um, that's it. And for those who are listening to us, we're on every single podcast app out there. We're also on Spotify. If you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com and you'll find us. And of course, if you're using a iPhone or iPad like me, then you can use the uh, that purple podcast app and you can find us. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. I really don't use Snapchat that much anymore. But in any case, uh, I'm at Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier? Um, do you have any social media? Are you on Instagram or uh, Snapchat? Uh, and also, you're on uh, TikTok. Uh, TikTok hasn't happened yet. We're, we're building that. But I'm on, uh, I'm on uh, Instagram at A-R Jonesy. So A-R-J-O-N-S-I-E. Right on. And we'll have a link to that as well. Thank you so much, folks. Have a wonderful weekend. And as Norman and I always say, we, we got to find, find a better, better sign-off. Sign and we are...